Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show. I'm Andrew Slavin, and after an unusually uplifting international break, the Premiership was back to keep you feeling all warm and fuzzy inside, or it might have smacked you right square in the realities. It was magic if you were a St Mirren fan, a Motherwell fan, or even a Ryan Christie fan, because nobody tried to headbutt him this weekend. Later on, we'll be joined by a man who you wouldn't want to stick the nut into under any circumstances. Rangers Hall of Famer Terry Butcher is on the podcast. And it's time for the big boys to get involved in the Scottish Cup. We'll be checking in with junior side Auchinleck Talbot, who are into the fourth round for only the second time. In the studio with me from The Telegraph, if he had a son, he'd call him JJ Junior. At least I like to think so. It's JJ Bull. Hello. Are you going to be a dad, JJ? No. <laughs> God, no. I don't think about you having children all no, the time. No, that's... It's... It's an odd way to start. <laughs> <laughs> I like to make you nervous before we get into You can be things. called Triple J. <laughs> Triple J, yeah. yeah. And from Copper 90, down in the dumps, now that domestic football is back, it's Laura Brannan. Hi, Laura. Hello. You well? I am good. Do you yeah. have a son? <laughs> not that I'm aware of. Do you have a daughter? Also not that I'm aware okay. of. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> uh, you must be well chuffed. Uh, we're, all, we're all chuffed after Scotland beating Israel 3-2. Top tag group. Playoffs, everything's amazing. We've won the league. Yay! We're going to win the World Cup. Yes! Yay! Amazing! (laughs) Let's all go home. Were you at the game? I was at the game. And I think it's the first time in my lifetime I've heard the words Scotland have won their group. (laughs) I'm not walking away from Hamden down in the dumps. I'm Mm. not waking up the next morning trying to blank it out. It it all kind of went to plan. That was after the the first 10, 15 minutes where I was extremely angry. (laughs) Uh, The the chair in front of me got a hell of a kicking. Sorry, Hamden. Um, but um, it got into the last 10 minutes and it was the same old story really clinging on squeaky bum time we've been there far too often at Hamden and for one of the few times we actually managed to cling on what was the atmosphere like because I think there was a few empty seats and some people were kind of saying oh well they should have made the tickets cheaper and stuff yes. like that but at the end of the day just a few empty seats it was uh, 22,000 attendance not great mm-hmm. I did see there was great problems getting into the ground as well beforehand oh really yeah picking up tickets there was claims of like people up to half an hour waiting outside Hamden which doesn't help the situation mm. when you've got such a low crowd as well it was similar to the Albania game to be honest it's not been a great atmosphere throughout the Nations League but the ones who do turn up are your kind of diehard fans, the ones that are going to always go to Scotland games, regardless of the price. We all want cheaper tickets. That's, mm-hmm. that's that's something we've all been arguing about for a long time. But the ones that did go great, there was a strange atmosphere, though, because it wasn't like previous big clinchers, like the Italy game in 2007 or the Poland game or ones at the last stages, like the Slovakia game even a year ago. It was very much... I think a lot of people didn't really know what this tournament's all about. Oh, it's really? so it's complicated and I feel as though still people weren't grasping it up until maybe the last day when it was a case of, right, I don't really understand, but you're telling me we need to win. Great, let's go and watch the team. <laughs> and I think because we started so poorly, that probably was a, a mix with the atmosphere of everyone was just so frustrated at the start. Well, I was thinking, same old Scotland. We, we've yeah, kind of yeah, we've yeah. left ourselves in Albania. We've not turned up when we actually need to and it matters <clears> most. This was after the Berham Kyle goal. Yeah. And it was just well, like, here we go, Pretty much from the first kick of the ball, to be honest, up until the, the Kyle goal and maybe a wee bit beyond that, 
the first three minutes, James Forrest looked like the worst player on the pitch, so he managed to turn himself around pretty well because I was not calling him very nice names, let's put it that way. And he came back to prove me wrong in the end, which I'm very Good on you, James. He's on fire. So well done. Well, we'll be hearing from Terry Butcher and what he thinks about Scotland's performance. Um, and JJ, speaking of handing, um, you've got a little treat for us later on, haven't you? That's correct. I have prepared a League Cup final song for Aberdeen FC. <laughs> Based on Graham Shinney. You've done this before, haven't you? I, I made one for the 13-14 League Cup final that yeah. Aberdeen won. Yeah, I did, yeah. That time I got everyone to send in pictures of them holding a little sign that said, come on, you read or something like that. Car. Yeah, Coyer, but this time I didn't put... I just made a little thing just to mostly entertain myself this time. Graham Shinney has the power of a seagull, yeah. A mighty bird, half man, half gull. And when he makes a tackle, well, he takes his man to get a yellow card so he can build his nest. And on the pitch, Shinny will make us win. And we sing the song that every seagull loves to sing. We've got McInnes and you, don't you think we'll lose? We maybe won't, because we've got Graham Shinny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Uh, do you know what? I think JJ should try and get us as like backing vocals or something sometimes. Yeah. I'm, yeah. The, the technology doesn't that. exist. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Hamill's hit that one. Oh my goodness! What about that from Adam Hamill? Now when the Saints go marching in. Now when the Saints. St Mirren secured their first win since the opening day of the season and their first under Oren Kearney. It was also the first time they'd scored two goals since the opening day. Yes, they beat Hearts and Paisley 2-0 thanks to two goals from Adam Hamill. And um, I was quite chuffed because it's, well, we'll say it's the most heroic Hamill performance since The Last Jedi. Good, I'm glad you said that because that's a good one. People have been slagging it off and they're wrong. Yeah, I know. I enjoyed it. Apparently, it's been. <laughs> this is a relative. <laughs> I also enjoyed the game. <laughs> Apparently, that was like intercepted by some of this like Russian interference with everything as they were putting, they were trolling all the score. Anyway, apart from that, who said football and sci-fi doesn't mix? I, I don't know. You yesterday. <laughs> yeah. uh, this Sumerian game is really good. Clearly, Kearney's been working with them during the international break because there was a definite sign of improvement. They were moving. One player was staying wide. Three were going to the, to the other side when the ball was in the air. So there's always someone spare. They were um, closing the ball down really well. They were mm-hmm. winning it in decent places. And when they played it forward, they were passing it out from the back and then playing direct balls forwards. One thing that was really excellent was the, the atmosphere at St Mirren was really good. Like The crowd was really behind them. Um, and they've got a family section as well that's got no swearing at all, um, which could be quite difficult for Buddies fans this campaign. But f- what a goal that was! Oh, man. Absolutely incredible. He absolutely leathered the thing. Pick it out. He hammered it. He did. He hammered it right into the net. It's, a, it's, it's even a nice little build-up because it's straight after the break, that goal. So 0-0 at half-time, and then straight after the break, uh, the ball's kind of bouncing around a bit. St Mirren are the ones who are composed in the right positions, and he gets a little cushioned volley, takes it. His first touch is awesome. Yeah, been mentioned. sets it, sets it. Sets, sets him up, sees keeper off his line, and punts it straight over his head. You can't blame Lamal, really. As much as he might have been off his line, 
you shouldn't really be taking a pot from that range. No. My, my first thought when I saw it was, who do you think you are, you James McFadden? And then <laughs> it's very afterwards, very much like McFadden's goal is yeah. very like that. Yeah. And then afterwards, he said some. His exact quote was, "So I thought, why not?" Which mm. is exactly what Faddy said after the France game, and yeah. it just echoed in my head. And I thought, "There we go. It's happened again." It's brave. On. It's brave. Absolutely. He's not um, unknown to Scottish football. He was at Dunfermline about ten years ago, ten or eleven years ago. So he's he's had a little bit of a up and down kind of career. Yeah, he's not played ninety minutes yet either for St Mirren. No, but he's but he's certainly got that kind of match winning ability, hasn't he? Short term contract as well until January. What what next for for St Mirren then? Because if they they face Hamilton next week and if they win that, oh, they were so much better. Yeah. And uh, having watched the Hamilton game as well, St Mirren are way ahead of where Hamilton are just now. Um, the shape is good. That's very important because and I think the way they're moving the ball and getting up the park, it looks as though Kearney's finally had time to put some ideas in and work with the players on the pitch, which he hasn't really had since coming. Mm. And uh, that has definitely paid off. But eight eight nine games or so, Oren Kearney's had really is that not? No, because you don't get time in training. You get a few days. You know, none of his players are really away for the the break. So that means you can work with them all the way during the week. You've got every single day you can actually work on positioning, shape, mm-hmm. um, different phases of play, do training games, so you can stop them halfway through and say, no, you're doing this wrong, and that's what you want to play with. What about psychologically? Because if they do win that game, you know, you put this game aside, like you've won, you enjoy that. If you win the next one and you get out of the uh, relegation playoff places, psychologically that must be a huge boost for the buds. It's massive when you look at the fixtures coming up. <laughs> Hamilton Aki's next weekend is a crunch game for them. To go on a run with, was it seven defeats, nine without a win, mm. spirits must be, must have been so low at St Mirren and to get that victory was huge. They've got Hibs the week after, well sorry, it was only four days later, Hibs going through a, a testing patch right now as well. Mm-hmm. Livingston as well, they're dipping and then you've got Aberdeen and we all saw at the weekend how poor they were and we don't know yet about the League Cup final. It could take it out of them as well. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the kind of fixtures that Mirren have got coming up, if they can pick up a run before Christmas, this would be huge for them to turn mm. it around. For for Hearts, that's now five games with without a goal in all competitions. And um, they go down to third. They've led the you know, the league table for most of this season. But it's pretty grim now for Hearts fans and Craig Levine, you can hear in his voice now, he's just frustrated. Ever seen a, a team so desperately miss their striker so much? They haven't scored a goal since Naismith went out injured. It's so poor for them right now. And we know he's coming back in a few weeks' time. Ekpiazu as well. Yeah, that's the thing. Ekpiazu is going to be out for a lot longer, so mm. we can't really look at him just now. Naismith, it's like they're clinging on to this date that he's going to return. And what, what's going to happen? They're going to look at him to be their, their saving grace. And if he doesn't turn it on straight away, things are just going to go from bad to worse for them. But it's not just about having a striker, it's about how you get the ball to them and how they get involved in the game. I mean, I think McLean's done really well, actually, up front on his own. He does a lot off the ball and annoys defenders an awful lot. And um, Like punching like, people in the balls. Like grabbing their balls. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, that's like, he's just annoying. He's one of those kind of players. But you have, the, the way they were building, they were building from the back in that game against St Mirren, but you had like, uh, Dicamona especially, is really good at reading the play and intercepting and like cutting it out. But he's, I don't know if he's exactly what they need taken out from the back. And this is where they miss a player like John Suter or something. Yeah, and Christoph Berra as well. Yeah, because, yeah. well, that's, that's right. And then, because Dicamona was coming out a few times, because uh, Haring was playing as a, like a six in between the two centre-backs. And then uh, Dicamona should have been passing to him, but then he was getting that wrong. So that's where St Mirren were getting turnovers and they were attacking them really quickly on the counter. They should they hit the bar early on as well mm. from one of those moves. And um, that's something they probably can't 
rely on I think they have to change the way they're playing without players like Suter and Berra I think they're probably more of a miss right now for their build up than um, Naismith even though he'll make a big difference when he's back You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Celtic extended their lead at the top of the Premiership to two points on Saturday after easing to a 3-0 win at New Douglas Park As for Hamilton it's 10 defeats in 14 Premiership games this season Andy McGilvery from the Hamilton Advertiser joins us now Andy, is there a sense that some of the fans might be turning on Martin Canning a wee bit or is, are they kind of quite understanding of the situation? A little bit of both. Some of them were a bit vocal at St. Johnson a couple of weeks ago um, after the 4 nothing defeat. They were quite sort of vocal with their unhappiness, shall we say. Mm. I think there are a lot of fans though who are realistic and realise that there isn't a budget at Hamilton particularly and I suppose you have to look on the sense that Martin Canning's kept them in the Premier League for five years. Is that the ceiling for Hamilton? You know, survival is is, is all that matters um, for Hamilton fans. Obviously, there will be dreams of cups, obviously, but is it difficult for any manager to do what Martin Canning's maybe achieved at the club? I think it probably would be. I think it'd be difficult for anybody to come in and have a massive expectation. I understand why people want to aim for the top six. I understand why people would like a cup run. It's just a natural thing for football fans. You don't want to see your team, your team struggling all the time. And I can understand why fans maybe look at that one. But I think keeping Hamilton in the Premiership for five years, I think, is a hell of an achievement for Martin Canning. I think it's something that really can't be underestimated. What's it feel like supporting a team where, as soon as someone very talented and young comes through, they they tend to disappear to, uh, I don't want to say bigger club, but another club higher up the table, something like that. Has it become... No, it's, it's difficult. If you look at people like David Templeton, who came in last season and pretty much kept Hamilton in the league, the hope was that he would carry on for another season and hopefully that would maybe continue his rehabilitation as well. Yeah. But you can understand why people were looking at that and thinking, well, he's done well where he could do well here. And they snapped him up and Ali Crawford was probably in the same boat as that as well. And there have been other ones in the past. Tony Andrew is probably the best example I can think of who, who came in for absolutely nothing from Livingston. It was an absolute revelation for Hamilton. became an absolute instant hit with the fans and then left for Norwich. On the plus side, the under-19s are making history. They've got uh, Midgieland yeah. in the UEFA Youth League second round, second leg on Wednesday. 2-0 down from the first leg. You spent some time with them. Is the future bright? I think so. I think if you look at what young guys are achieving, I think it's, it's actually quite remarkable. I don't think anybody would have thought that Hamilton Aki's in Europe would have been a sentence that would have been saying at any point. <laughs> um, and I think the fact that the under-19s have got through the first qualifying round, they're in the second qualifying round and have a chance of progressing even with the 2 nothing deficit, mm-hmm. I think is absolutely remarkable. And I think the good thing about that is that it shows that the young guys are doing really, really well. The problem that Hamilton would then have would be that if all those young guys came through into the team, it has to be mixed in with experience, and I'm not really sure how that affects things. But I don't think either that they could fly themselves in the league properly without having maybe some experience around them. When I watched the game, I just heard something, and it was Chris Sutton, and he was saying how Ziggy Gordon was. Um, he goes, oh, he's a Scottish chess champion, and but that doesn't mean he said something. I thought it was one of his Chris Suttonisms. Aye, and then I was like, hold on a minute. So I actually just. Googled it and it turns out he was, I don't know what age group it was, but he was Scottish champion. And I was well impressed with this, even though I didn't find out the information myself. And I decided to text JJ. Lo and behold, they get beat me to it. I was like, oh, are you watching the Celtic game? I was, yeah. Yeah. 
Thanks, JJ. It's good though. I like that. I like the way the article that um, was on him, uh, how it makes out that you had to choose between a career in chess and football. <laughs> yeah, really a real tough crossroads. choice. <laughs> yeah, really tough choice, that, isn't it? Yeah. I kind of want to play my chess now. Are you quite good at chess? I, I enjoy playing chess. I wouldn't want to judge my own you ability. Can't enjoy, but... You can't enjoy playing chess unless you're good at it. I'm a bit of a loser, come on. <laughs> I enjoy sad games like, like golf. That. It's like golf. It's just no fun. Hold on, I like golf. Like, yeah, you get, you get all excited up at golf and then you shoot at 13 and you're like, well, I'm going home now. You're a badminton guy, aren't you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, as for Celtic, um, pretty good for a Scotland perspective seeing Lee Griffiths back in the pitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was well, kinda, we yeah. didn't know where the hell he'd gone. I know. I, <laughs> he I, thought, I thought your song about him loving the bees, bees yeah, yeah. might have might have kind of hurt him, but turns out he was actually being a professional footballer and um, getting fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, that's what he should have been doing. I always think this. That this is a weird thing to think because I mean, I could quite easily be at the gym getting ripped every day, but I don't. But I say about Scottish footballers, Scottish Premiership footballers. Ones who play at a high level, a really high, high, high level, and get paid a lot of money, they're just super fit. They're machines. Yeah. So if you were in the position that you're just, say you're Gary McKay Steven or something, clearly a great player, why don't you just get absolutely tanked up? Not like Gareth Bale, break your body level, mm-hmm. but you know. Well, people have said this about, you know, a few players at Celtic, like Kieran Tierney, when he first came through, mm. scrawny lad, but heaps of ability. And now he's, now he looks like a total athlete. And it seemed to be said about Ryan Christie, who's now having his flourish. Um, they have got old, I mean, those two, for example, have got a bit older. So yeah, but not not by not by uh, many years. <laughs> <laughs> You've got Brendan Rodgers has now just came out today and said that Celtic are at their best. Are they? Yeah, I don't know who's going to beat them in Scotland. It's like when you play a game of Football Manager and you get to the certain level, it becomes no fun because you keep winning every single game, mm-hmm. and then you take your eye off the ball and you do lose. And it ruins your unbeaten uh, record. And here was me thinking that they were going into the cup final next weekend on an even kill with Aberdeen. Well, what happens, Laura, is sometimes you uh, you take your eye off the ball <laughs> and that's when your record goes. I can't see anyone beating Celtic just now. And I think for Rogers to say... Well, that's, that's what I was about to say. For Rogers to say that that's in back to their best, let's judge them after Thursday. Overall, because Rosenberg in the Europa League, they're mm-hmm. very much a team that Celtic can beat, and they have beat in the past. They should be beating teams like Rosenberg. If they secure this victory on Thursday and keep it all alive for them, they have to win, they have to keep this going to progress after Christmas, then fine, let's discuss it then. In terms of Scotland, though, yeah, I can't see anyone just now bringing Celtic to a halt. That guy, Bengovic, they've got on loan from Leicester, uh, is unbelievably good at centre back. Yeah, he is like very he good. could quite capably go into the very top level. You've seen it when I, when I saw Van Dyke players like that boy's class. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benkovic is exactly the same. Well, he's a prospect at Leicester, isn't he? So he'll yeah, definitely go back there. He's and... really highly rated by scouts mm-hmm. and like, you know people in Y Scout and all that. They really like him. But you've got him next to Boyata, solid. You've, we've talked about this before, but McGregor in that um, slightly deeper role, very yes, good. Scott, Scott Brown could be back, but he again will struggle. Don't, might struggle don't to put get... him in though, because it's more progressive. It's quicker. It goes faster with McGregor there, and then Christie. Is on it. I can't <laughs> believe we're skating over the the Christmas advert here. Oh yeah! Oh, wow. <laughs> so Celtic have is... made a Christmas. Celtic have made a Christmas video, but it's an <laughs> advert. There's meant to be some like nice thing for Celtic. It's an advert for all the tat that they're trying to sell in the shop. And then Mikhail Lustig turns up as a policeman. One of your neighbours have made a complaint about the noise. Come on in. 
It's his best performance all season. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that but that's that was that was kind of funny. Okay. That was that was kind of funny though because remember when he uh, Celtic had scored against Rangers <laughs> and he stole the policeman's hat and was celebrating. Yeah. Did you remember seeing oh, that? No, I don't remember that. So no. that was a little bit of a an in joke. Yeah. I thought there was a bit. You know when Scott Brown comes in at the end. Yeah, he doesn't say a word. No, no. I just don't get. But I loved it so because old, old firm facts. I think yeah, it was old firm facts that brought up um, our good friend. Old firm facts um, brought up the fact that it was the first time that Scott Brown had been standing in this in the advert. He always sits down, doesn't really say. Very much. There's just so much of this advert I don't get though. The, the, firstly, the plot. I don't actually understand what the guy is. Actually, it's the, Tam from River guy. City, isn't it? I don't get what he's actually doing. He's, he's gearing himself up for something. I just never what? made clear what, that is, no. what the achievement is. No. There's no it's, character it's, arc, why no is, narrative uh, arc. Why is Scott Brown there wearing it's, some weird wig hat he's thing? Got, he's got grey. Yeah, what's kind the sideburns of, all about? Because he's just an old... What, why know. is Lee Griffiths yelling into the camera? I don't get that. Why is Karen no, Local even in the first place? That's because, that's because the dog bites his leg, which might explain why he's been out for quite a while after doing that interview. There are two uh, key uh, things... That, um... <laughs> There's two things I noticed, right, from this video that really stood out. One was how they absolutely pied off Scott Sinclair yeah. by saying, is he the best player? <laughs> no. no. One yeah. thing. That's a way to tell him he's, he's rubbish. And then when Scott Brown comes in at the end, it looks exactly the same as when Darth Vader comes into that room at the end of Rogue One and kills all the people in the corridor. He sort of lurks. Or when Anakin kills all the younglings, that look, he just stares at them quiet. Doesn't say anything. Do you know it's about to I kick off? I think you kind and of then it cuts. A, I think you kind of paid him a compliment there. That's the bet that everyone was waiting I'm for. I'm not saying Scott Brown is like Darth Vader, and that is not the podcast title, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Scoring an own goal after 39 seconds and finding yourself 2-0 down in the first half, it was the same old story for bottom of the table Dundee at Easter Road. But Jim McIntyre's men ripped up the script and came back to claim a point against Hibs, just a fourth of the season in the Premiership. Two quick-fire goals either side of half-time for the D. Where the hell did that come from, that kind of performance? They finished their chances and they created them and they weren't terrible at defending either. And the only bad thing is it's a Marin one as well. For I know. Well, again, tiny. another team who's had a chance to uh, work and stuff, and they get the basics right, and the basics is defending. And uh, they're not they're, after thirty-nine yeah. seconds. Well, what a hit! <laughs> yeah, he took it hey, well. If didn't that'd he? been at the other end, you'd be taking it all day long. <laughs> Crossing the right, is it, is it Horgan crosses in? I think? It was. It was Daryl Horgan that whipped it. Take, it was a lovely cross. Takes a little deflection though, and it, it puts up, and then Kasunga jumps to try and head it away, and puts it over the keeper in the top corner. It's such a good finish. The fans that travelled must have been sitting in that stand thinking, "Here we go again." But yeah, they've got was it the weekend off next week, and then Aki's at home. So you know, build on this. We could have a relegation battle that's kind of heating up. Neil Lennon's not happy with Hibs just now as well. Like we've been seeing for a few weeks now that they're creating chances of not taking them. Camberi's not playing well at all. You can't tell without actually being Camberi. You don't know why he's not getting in the right places at the right times and why his finishing's not, not on. It's Jamie McLaren though as well. It's, Neil Lennon was quite, not scathing, but he did point the finger at McLaren and Camberi. They're not firing so on the all cylinders. Aren't doing what they want them to, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think there's just a little bit of a lack of confidence. Um, he was saying, which makes a lot of sense. It yep. does. But then they've went. Was it five games without a win? And the last time they won, they absolutely thrashed Aki six nil. Mm. So where does this lack of confidence actually come from? Is it just a case of maybe, right, maybe they failed after the first couple of attempts, and then it's just they get into a rut, and that's it. Who, who was it that we said that that? Uh, I think it was St Mirren that you said earlier, JJ, that uh, they really benefited from this international break. Perhaps um, Hibs haven't benefited from this. It's, it's broken up their progression. 
maybe, but then Hibs haven't been firing on all cylinders for a little while, have they? I think Ryan Porteous looks like a very good player. Um, scored a good goal. Scored a good goal, yeah, and he he almost scored a little <laughs> overhead kick at the end as well. So oh yeah, right at the end. Yeah. Pretty cool. It's all about defending. If they're creating chances and the strikers aren't taking them, that puts more pressure on the rest of them. They've been playing this three-five-two now forever. I wonder. I'm just starting to think maybe it's that other managers have figured out ways to nullify some of the ways that they're attacking and building their attack and play, and that could be part of it. You can't rely on Malin to score from outside the box, even though he scored about 80 goals from outside 40 <laughs> yards this season already. I thought Milligan was decent. Yeah, he is okay. I, yeah, I think it's it's actually okay just to say that Dundee genuinely were better. It's a bit of a different shape, more of a 4-2-3-1 as well. So they've normally have been a 4-4-1-1, but it's a small change. It just means the two centre midfielders are a bit deeper. And you had McGowan playing just off uh, uh, Miller as well. Just got to get the unit right. If they've had time to work on the defensive unit and where the line goes and where they, where they press, where they drop... Um, that's all they need and obviously that's what they've been working on um, I'm not convinced that Jim McIntyre isn't one of the guys from Burniston though I'm pretty sure he's the guy who comes in who's, who's the, the murderer and wants everyone to know I know who you, Do you mean. Know what I mean he sounds I, I, just I, like him looks just like him listeners we are Scottish and we love beer and we especially love craft beer yes and that's why we are really excited this week to be sponsored by Edinburgh's very own Beer 52 who want to give all of you lovely listeners to the Totally Scottish Football Show a case of craft beer for free. And it's just in time for Christmas. Actually free. Yep. Beer 52 is the largest craft beer club on the planet. They search out exclusive small batch booze from the world's greatest breweries and they bring them back for their members. This month they're offering up a selection of Bristol's finest light and dark beers, such as Firebrand's Juicy 5.5% New England IPA the hazy and hoppy Keller Pilsner from Lost and Grounded, and Harbour's citrusy Ellensburg Session IPA. I want that one. That sounds nice. It does. If that all sounds like your type of thing, sign up now at beer52.com slash scottish and you'll get eight spectacular craft beers, some delicious bar snacks, and Beer 52's award-winning magazine, Ferment. All you have to do is pay $5.95 for delivery, and if you decide after this free taster that the club isn't for you, there's no catch. You can leave Beer 52 at any time. Just head to beer52.com scottish and enter the offer code SCOTTISH to claim your free case today. Rangers are up to second, two points off top spot as they saw off Livingston 3-0 at Ibrox. They've now taken 19 points from a possible 21. Under Steven Gerrard, that is that's mightily impressive, isn't it? Ibrox is a fortress. He said that. He yeah. actually did say did that. Yeah. All oh, right. Well, we've been saying. Yeah. I don't. I'm not See, doing you the accent. Joke about it, right? And I thought to myself, right, well, how how much of a fortress is it actually? And I checked out. 19 games unbeaten since March. No. It's a scary I'm place just, to go. I'm just so used to being like, oh yeah, Rangers have got a good home record. Oh yeah, they're really strong at Ibrox. Nah. And then when you actually look at it since March, that's an incredible run. They've not lost under Gerard at home. And that, especially going into Europe this week, that's that's a big factor mm-hmm. to take into that. That must send so much confidence through the players when they think of that. You would say that. Livingston were good for their money. Like mm-hmm. they, they, they played well and pushed Rangers when they were 1-0 down. And they were playing without a recognised striker. I think they had um, Scott Robertson up front of his own. Who's Robinson, a mid- yeah. Robinson, sorry. Who's a midfielder? So straight from the off, Livingston aren't at full strength. But they played well. Like we've always said, they've done the basics well and they had their chances. And if they had taken those chances, it would be a different story. 
I think they match Rangers' shape as well, which is to go away from home and do that rather than go with what you know, you know, having that flat three or five, whatever they've got at the back, depending on where they are. Uh, Ryan Jack was very good. He's really important to teams like Rangers who want to build and keep control of the ball. Him coming deep between McCauley and Goldson means that the wing-back or full-backs can get forward. Halliday at left-back? Well, yeah, because they've been... Um, I think Barisic is injured at the moment. Yeah, he is, yeah. So Halliday came in to try and... He's, he's obviously a midfielder and he's... He's, I think he's, he's a, a little bit suspect there, but he's playing he's out a utility of position. player, isn't he? You can play wherever you want him to. And also, they won't play um, Wallace because of the reasons that happened last season <laughs> when uh, oh, yes. him and Kenny Miller. But that's another oh, story. God, still there. <laughs> well, yeah, but but that's that's the problem that that Rangers have got. I think there's obviously a political reason of why he's not going to play, but that is an area that Rangers are are light on. Well, I think. Um, it's nice to see Livy have a go at them rather than just sit back like Hamilton did against Celtic where you sit back and wait for death to come. They properly went for it. They tried to break up play. A lot of fouls that um, Livy committed. And Rangers just are just have better players. They're just a better team. Mm-hmm. And so they inevitably won. I'm just glad that Livy gave it a go even though they came out short. It's, it's really nice seeing teams have a go at Ibrox. It's Butchard! Butchard for Rangers! Time to hear from a bit of a legend, really, of Scottish football. He won five major honours in four years at Rangers as a player before managing Inverness from the second tier all the way to the top six of the Premiership. And he was tough as old boots as well. We're talking about Terry Butcher, and we spoke to Terry at the draw for the Iron Brew Cup semi-finals. You got to the final of this competition with Inverness eight years ago. How crucial was that experience for your players in terms of the future success you had with the club? Well, I think it was key to the to our season. Even though we lost the final, we were 2-0 up at half-time and eventually lost 3-2. But we played very well in the game. Um, I mean, it should have been more than 2-0 up at half-time. So um, it gave us a belief because Dundee at that time were something like 10 or 12 points ahead of us uh, in first place in, in the old Division 1, which is now the Scottish Championship. And uh, odds on for promotion back up to the Scottish Premiership. So we were chasing them. We hadn't really got into our stride. But that game gave us a big lift because we, we knew what we could do against them. And we, we wanted to go one step further and build on that 2-0 lead and make sure that we actually won them and beat them. So it gave us a belief. And we went on to, a just shortly after that, we went on to a 21-game unbeaten run all the way through to the end of the season, which got us promotion. And we actually finished about 10 or 12 points ahead of them at the end of the season. So sometimes, if you, even if you lose games, it can still have a... Uh, a good effect for the rest of your campaign and uh, and for your league form as well. I think they go hand in hand. Inverness are the current holders, but there's a chance Ross County could be taking the trophy. So tell us about that Highland rivalry from your time as Inverness manager. Yeah, I was there for five years and uh, really enjoyed it. And we built a good team. Um, getting back into the Premiership, our first attempt was was really good. Now you look at both teams, uh, Ross County who. I drew at home. I, got, I don't have many friends in Ross County because I was an Inverness manager. So I think I've got a few more friends now giving them a home draw in the semi-finals. But now Ross County and uh, Inverness are in, in the Scottish Championship. And uh, yes, the Keswick derbies is what they call it. So the, the, the Highland derby, um, obviously this season uh, with Ross County coming down. But everybody in the Highlands wants to see Ross County and Inverness County Fistle get back into the Premiership and have some really good full-blooded affairs when it when it comes to being in, in the top flight. I've played in some derbies in my time and 
I was the manager in Inverness and uh, Derek Adams was the manager of, uh, of, of Ross County and um, he used to play for me, Derek, when I was a manager of Motherwell. But there was a bit of fierce rivalry between us, very fierce rivalry. Um, and it really got, not overheated, it really to to boiling point many times on the sidelines. So it was quite enjoyable off the pitch as well as watching what was happening uh, on the pitch as well. So speaking about enjoying what's on the pitch, there was a feel-good factor around the national team this week after victories over Israel and Albania. As a former Scotland assistant manager, what did you make of what you saw? Well, I didn't like the first 20 minutes, put it that way, um, against Israel because of the Israel won the lap and Scotland weren't really going anywhere. They were just, just existing and it was probably going to be a case of when Israel scored the second goal. But they seemed to grab the game by the scruff of the neck after about 20, 22 minutes uh, and start to mount some attacks and push Israel back. I think I think uh, Alec McLeish was out on the sidelines telling his back four to push up more because there was a big gap between the, the back four and the midfield which allowed Israel to play. So once they pushed up, they got a hold of the game, exerted a bit of pressure uh, and got the equaliser, which gave him a massive boost, and then eventually got the second goal just for half time. Uh, and obviously, the third goal just after half time thought that Scotland were on easy street, but uh, typical Scotland, they make it very difficult for themselves, conceded the second goal, and then hung on. But the very fact that they were behind, came through that, got ahead, uh, and then saw the game out, I think will give them enormous belief. Um, and they've, they've, they've got promotion, won the group, and it gives everybody a chance to look forward and a bit of belief now. It'll give the squad. A lot of confidence uh, in each other and I give the fans a lot more confidence in the team. And on an individual level, obviously James Forrest took the headlines with a hat-trick, but you also had another impressive performance from Ryan Fraser. Well, yeah, and obviously Stephen Fletcher up front, uh, who didn't score but contributed a lot to the game, and Ryan Christie just in behind. I think Armstrong as well uh, made, made a big significant impact and so did McGregor. So the front six... Um, in a way, we're, we're very strong. You know, the objective is to score more goals than you concede. And I think uh, that's the sort of game plan. Um, it's a bit rocky at times when you go that way. But I was really impressed with the Scotland attack going forward. And bear in mind that Scotland had, a, what, nine withdrawals from the squad as well. So it was nowhere near Scotland's supposedly full-strength side. But the players that played certainly did the, the jersey proud. The way they played the ball, the way they scored the goals, there were some really good goals, particularly the finishing from from James Forrest was absolutely excellent, but he was given some really good chances by some good approach play by, by Scotland as well. Very positive, very bright uh, and good to watch. So for a long, long time, and I've been I'm coming up to Scotland, I've obviously made the draw and I'm looking at everybody, the taxi driver to the people at the airport and people here at Hamden. It's such a big smile on their faces now after that result and it's amazing what it can do to the whole country. Just turning the attentions back to domestic football again, you're obviously hugely successful Rangers. What have you made of them under Stephen Gerrard this season? Well, they've done very well. They've, um, I mean, you can say they've closed the gap on Celtic. Obviously, then you're judged on games against Celtic from a Rangers point of view. Um, and, and the next one coming up is obviously going to be a big one. But then every Rangers-Celtic game is bigger than the last game anyway. So um, the Rangers lost 1-0 to Celtic um, in the last game. Um, and 1-0 is not a convincing scoreline but Celtic were dominant on the day and um, certainly uh, deserved the win so Rangers still have a, a huge gap to close 
But having said that, um, Steven Gerrard has made good strides with the club this season. He's certainly got them a, a different proposition now. They're certainly stronger uh, mentally and physically. Um, they're certainly closer to Celtic, but still quite some way away. But it's a very competitive league this year with Hearts and with Aberdeen and Hibs all you know, trying to, to get that second spot. Um, and I think with, with Rangers in particular, uh, it's a case of yeah getting that second spot and seeing if they can beat Celtic. Uh, in one of the remaining old firm games this season. And if they were to do that and beat Celtic somehow or by hook or by crook or whatever reason beat Celtic, then that will say to the Rangers fans and to the Scottish public in a way that Rangers are are improving and are getting back to, to somewhere where they were before. But there's still a long, long way for them to go. The Ibrox faithful have really welcomed him with open arms. Is that how you were made to feel when you arrived? Yeah, and Graham Souness as well. He was, you know, he started it off by coming to Rangers and he had a great assistant in Walter Smith and um, uh, Stephen Gerrard's got a great assistant in Gary McAllister as well. So it's very, very similar in that respect. Although Stephen Gerrard didn't quite have the money to spend that uh, that Graham Souness had. But having said that, I think he spent wisely. I think he's got two good, strong centre-halves. In fact, four good, strong centre-halves uh, and a good goalkeeper now with Alan McGregor coming back in as well. So, you know, he's, he's, he's built from the back more than anything else. And he's got good competition for places. And, you know, you're looking at January and you're hopeful in January that he might be able to add one or two, probably a number 10, probably a striker as well, just to compete for the goals up front. But uh, Rangers can bang in the goals. They can beat good opposition as they're proved in the uh, Europa League. But they can also lose to Livingston as well, um, like they did um, a couple of months ago, which is obviously a big disappointment. But these things can happen. And, uh, you know, it's about consistency. And I think that's what Steven Gerrard wants. He wants consistency from his players. And that will show with the amount of points that he can pick up. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. It was the third round of the Scottish Cup this weekend and the headline grabbers were junior side Auchinleck Talbot who won 1-0 at Fraserburgh of the Highland League. Fraser Wilson from the Daily Record has been tracking Talbot's progress and joins us now. First of all, Fraser, we should just explain what we mean when we say juniors. Um, we're obviously not talking about um, under-12s, are we? No, absolutely <laughs> not. And, uh, that, if anything's guaranteed to get junior footballers heckles up, it's <laughs> Uh, normally a mistake made by uh, football players for the south of the border but uh, I understand well why some people get confused but very much a man's game in every meaning of the word and uh, basically it's like the English non-leagues your um, Vanarama conference etc it's uh, along with the Lowland League and Highland League it's uh, a version of the non-league in Scotland they play in the SJFA West Region Premiership and they knocked out Welcome Cove Rangers. Yeah. yeah, and they knocked out um, Cove Rangers in round two. Pretty impressive. Well, that's aye, aye. I mean, Auchinleck have qualified for the Scottish Cup maybe six, seven times now in the last 10 years. And uh, they have, apart from 2010, 2011, when they went on a run to the fourth round, many feel they've maybe slightly underperformed by being knocked out by Lowland League clubs and Highland League clubs. But this year, they've totally put that accusation to bed because twice they've uh, travelled to the top two in the Highland League, not just any old teams, Cove Rangers, mm-hmm. who are locally up in Aberdeenshire, regarded as the strongest non-league team in Scotland, um, drew with them, brought them back to Ayrshire and beat them at uh, Beechwood Park. And then... Having done that, we're then sent our travels even further north to Fraserburgh at the weekend. <laughs> Fraserburgh sitting second in the Highland League and themselves in an awfully good run of form. Uh, and again came away with a 1-0 victory. So 
That, amazingly, was the sixth game Talbot have played in this year's Scottish Cup because they're two preliminary ties. They then defeated Wick Academy, which is mm-hmm. almost in Iceland. <laughs> uh, Cold Rangers over two games, and now Fraserburgh. So that's them got through six matches, um, five ties, and are rewarded with an absolute mouthwatering fourth round tie against Ayrshire's big boys, Air uh, United. <laughs> How does it work with the in, in terms of like travel and accommodation? So they've travelled. It's fourteen hundred miles. They worked out in three rounds in the cup so far. Three keep, rounds. Keep getting yeah. drawn to the Highlands. Yeah. So how do they have? Do they get uh, enough prize money that pays for the extra travel and players to stay over or things like that? How does it work? Well, that that's what I was asking their uh, their secretary, Henry Dumagin, last week because I've played in the Scottish Cup myself when on league team and. Funnily enough, it's Cove Rangers. We got drawn away in the first round and I was playing for a team for Dumfries and we went all the way up to Cove, stayed over for the night, got hammered 4-1, pumped out in the first round, came home, picked up about seven bookings in the game and each of them were £100, ended up losing about £1,000 just for our troubles we call fine for the Scottish Cup. <laughs> so, Auchinleck, though, Auchinleck are very well organised. They've, they've followed the same procedure every round. He was telling me they've won up and stayed in a, a hotel in Aberdeen on a Friday night. The bus or travel is paid for through a combination of an SFA handout you get, which covers part of the petrol but not all of it, and uh, the rest made up by their sponsors and uh, just some well-wishing supporters that travel with them. I think they pay for the entire uh, the fuel costs. And then uh, I think the club have maybe left with it, the hotel costs, but they'll certainly make enough back through the split of the gate receipts and the prize money uh, it assures me. It assures me that up until Saturday's game, they were still in profit for their, their Scottish Cup run, and now they've got the reward because Beechwood Park will be full. That will be a sellout for the their United game, and they'll certainly they'll make their money through that one, um, and they thoroughly deserved as well. It will be full. Absolutely guaranteed. Because their United have got a good travelling support, and yeah. it's only up the yeah. road. Only down the road, sorry about that, right? Just slightly down the road, down the 76. <laughs> beautiful wee, beautiful wee ground, an absolute beautiful playing surface, quite tight. Thankfully, the BBC cameras will be there to pick it up. They reached the fourth round of the Scottish Cup six years ago. They lost 1-0 yes. to Hearts. So looking yes. to make it round five for the first time ever. Is it going to happen? <laughs> well, you would say they've got more chance than they had against Hearts. Look, they, took, they were 7-0-0 with Hearts with nine minutes left at Tynecastle. And on top of all that, having gone 1-0 down, the goal chopped off in the 89th minute, which replay showed was perfectly OK. The guy was on the offside. I think it was Gordon Pope, who still plays with Talbot, that uh, put that one in. So they have done by that day. But I don't think anyone would claim Talbot are favourites for this match against their, not in their wildest dreams. But they've certainly got a team with experience and enough savvy to, to give United a right good game and should things go in their favour on the day or air have an absolute stinker then aye it's possible absolutely possible and Ian McCall their manager will know that nothing more romantic than the first two or three rounds of the Scottish Cup Elsewhere in the Premiership St Johnston's winning streak comes to an end but it's now six clean sheets in a row for the Saints a club record at all levels 546 minutes without conceding JJ doesn't like making predictions, do you, JJ? But you did say last week this had nil nil written all over it. That's right. Predicting is a mugs game. And I'm no <laughs> mug. <laughs> yep, nil nil. Nil nil. St. Johnson Kamara, nil nil. Yep. It was nil nil. Cancel each other out. 
it's the same shape. Two teams. The goalie had some good saves. Xander Clark. Yeah. Um, Greg Stewart went close a couple of times. They just cancelled each other out. Like it was decent. It was yeah. You're yeah, right. It was uh, it, it was two teams. I, I know St Johnston are much more attacking now. They're much more um, variable in their play. But yeah, two teams that like to stay in a game and they, have those opportunities. They really. both play a very Scottish Premiership type of football. What, what is that? Uh, solid at the back, compact, low block. No, well, no, I wouldn't say so. <laughs> okay, but they, uh, if they need to, they do. But then they attack with pace down the wings, mm-hmm. and they want to create chances in the middle by putting the ball out wide. Kamarnock is slightly different because they've got those two players who like to come inside from wide positions, like um, Stuart and Brophy, mm-hmm. and St Johnston do not do that. But Brophy didn't play though, did he? Still, no, he doesn't. No, no. so it was still Chris Boyd. Boyd was playing, trying to get penalties. He was, yeah, he was looking for a penalty at one point, and Jordan Jones was looking for a penalty at one point. It was very much a looking for penalties kind of game. Yeah, four shots on target altogether between two teams. Steve Clark came out afterwards and said, "Oh, we probably shaded the game in territory and possession." Yeah. I'm sorry, I I don't want to see my manager talk about territory and possession after nothing each draw. It's so boring. Yeah, you want you, want, you want action. Want? You want what? Well, you want action? Yeah, you want, want Matty goals. Kennedy scalping the bar a couple more times? I want goals. I want shots on target. I want attempts. I want drama and action. I do not want to be talking about possession because that happens all the time draw. in international football. <laughs> <laughs> that is the dullest game of the weekend. That is just so boring. The, the thing is, the thing is though, they're both very good teams at what they do. Yeah, and that's why they're up there in the top six. Yeah. So they've they've cancelled each other out because they're both very good. at Both what they are do. very nervous to go into each other. So you can, if you overcommit and um, out trying to outnumber them or overload anywhere, you get picked apart and you lose. First the blink is the one that loses. Main making a nuisance of himself. There's the two goal hero Johnson. Oh, it's another mess at the back for Aberdeen. Turnbull! 3-0! Aberdeen are being torn apart. Another prediction from JJ was that Motherwell and Aberdeen might be mince or pish, as JJ would normally say. And you were almost there. I think I said that if Aberdeen line up in that that shape I don't like, they're going to get done. Oh, yeah? I'm pretty sure I said that. I listened to this show more than once. And you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> this game, having seen the reversed Pataudry or the original, they were pretty even. It was settled by one goal. This was, I mean, if Shinny had put his right-footed shot in early on, it could have changed things. Uh, Derek McInnes has opted for a new formation this time, which is directly from Championship Manager 97-98. You might recall it. It's a 4-1-3-2. <laughs> Lewis Ferguson's playing as a six. And then you got McGinn in a deeper midfield kind of role. It's to get May and Wilson in the same team. Yeah, I noticed that. I thought that was quite strange. We saw that Max Lowe's really high up all the time. Yeah, yeah, Logan, and yeah. and he he looked excellent. He's, he's on loan from. I think it's Derby. He's on loan. Derby, from yeah. But yeah, he looked good. But Niall McGinn looked very out of sorts, and he led. And, and it was his mistake. It was his mistake that yeah, led to the first goal. Yeah, McGinn's kind of been disappointing this season so far, and he yeah. was the one that led to the first goal. And it was just sort of the catalyst of the rest of the game because Motherwell were clinical. They they completely got what they deserved from that game. It was a huge turnaround from the Rangers' defeat a couple of weeks ago. And they were completely comfortable winners. I thought it was good to see Danny Johnson. He's not scored since, what, start of September. Mm-hmm. He's came on a lot as a sub at the end of games, but that's usually when they're chasing something or they're, they're in search for something in particular. He's not really had the time to really settle in and, and perform. So when he got his chance, he did it, and he got his two goals. Great. 
an even greater technique from David Turnbull as well. He's mm-hmm. on fire just now. I think that's three goals and four, four games, games for him. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, Danny Johnson obviously got his opportunity. I think he's got like six goals and ten appearances or something like that from Motherwell, perhaps. But he's a player who came up from Gateshead, similar to Ryan Bowman. And Stephen Robinson came out not too long ago and said Bowman and Curtis Main is his desired strike force. But when you have Danny Johnson coming in and scoring goals, and when Motherwell aren't maybe playing the way that Motherwell fans want to see, got to change it. Yeah, well, that's that's Stephen Robinson's style. And again, Motherwell might be a team who've benefited from this break because he's got them revved up, and they were back to winning the duels and winning those, uh, you know, making recoveries over the pitch. But again, in context, right. The first goal they scored was because Aberdeen had um, overloaded. They mm. had too many players forward. Lowe couldn't get back close enough to Logan after McGinn's loose pass. Honest mistake. Then Logan sort of trips while he tries to tackle the back of him and then gives uh, shows him inside and he finishes, well, Swanson finishes. Yeah, uh, uh, Swanson? Johnson. <laughs> Johnson. Swanson? Swanson? <laughs> what is that? That's in a film. That was his, that's his cop buddy. <laughs> when they are Johnson, Johnson and, and Swanson. Swanson. <laughs> so that's what happens. And Logan is the evil one who just lets him inside the score. God damn it, Logan. Yeah, God. Wazowski, <laughs> you're in trouble again. <laughs> and then the, the second goal um, uh, from a corner. So th- again, this is dead easy to stop. So it's mostly man marking. McInnes likes man to man. But Stevie May is the only guy I think on zonal at that point, and he's standing. It's, it's a critical position defending corners. Is at the corner of the six yard box, the near post. Yep. So when the ball comes to then, that's where that's where people always score. You have to attack it. Stevie yes, May stands yes, there, yes. Puts, puts his foot out. It doesn't see the run ahead of him. I think it's main head. It's Curtis Main that flicks it, almost kind of slightly. Right, so entirely avoidable. Enough. But when you're two 0 down, changes the game. Suddenly Motherwell can sit back and just not let them through, and they can hit him on the counter. And Aberdeen's plan totally undone by two mistakes. And when you're playing this level, that's what happens. It was a funny kind of start to this game before a ball was kicked because you had Trevor Carson, um, who was diagnosed with deep vein thrombosis mm. um, after he was on international duty. So. Mark Gillespie had to come in under this kind of, you know, hoo-ha that something was going on behind the scenes. And I think ultimately all of us here at um, Totally Scottish Football Show hopes that, you know, he recovers well. Obviously they're discovering it following the international break, but that yeah, he was unwell. That's not necessarily means that he developed it when he was away True. on international break. It could have been underlying for a while and they've only just realised what has happened. But either way, I mean, six months is a long time. So Mark Gillespie's came in and he's done a bloody good job. In the future, when we look back on the stats of this, we're going to look back and go, oh, they lost 7-1 to Rangers and then the next week Trevor Carson got dropped. And I think it's a shame because people are going to actually forget the reason why he's actually out. And it's just going to be a case of, oh, yeah, he lost his place. Mm-hmm. And he, then he didn't play again for the rest of the season. And it's kind of, kind of harsh. Well, we can remind people every week. So, yeah, it really wasn't the best preparation for the Betfred Cup final against Celtic next Sunday. Did Aberdeen have their eyes on on that game? Do you think? No, I don't think so. They just get done with those two mistakes, and uh, it doesn't seem to work when you play two strikers. But uh, the best thing to happen to this game is that they'll have realised that they can't play like this, and they will get done by a team like Motherwell. And now they're playing Celtic, the best team in the league by a million miles. If Aberdeen play like that against Celtic, they will lose about eight nil. You're doing another one of your. I've seen it happen before. Uh, yeah. I've seen it happen before. Okay. And it'll happen again, right? But this, that's what will happen if they don't turn up. And the players know that and they've got evidence of it now. But thankfully, they have extra motivation. JJ, Laura, Aberdeen need a lift. So, JJ. This is the Graham Shinney song. 
Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Monday after not just the Betfred Cup final, but also Stephen Gerrard's first trip to Tynecastle. We'll see you then. Graham Shinney has the power of a seagull, yeah. A mighty bird, half man, half gull. And when he makes a tackle, well, he takes his man to get a yellow card so he can build his nest. And on the pitch, Shinney will make us win. And we sing the song that every seagull loves to sing We've got McInnes and you don't you think we'll lose We maybe won't Cause we've got Graham Scott McKenna is the size of a fridge freezer Yeah, but he won't beat you up Because he is nice he wasn't in the team in the last cup final We won on penalties F*** penalties And on the pitch McKenna will make us win And we sing the song that every seagull loves to sing We've got McInnes and you don't you think we lose me Maybe won't Cause we've got Graham Shane Like Lewis Ferguson, Devlin Logan, Ball and Lewis, me and Wilson, Constantine, and Matches, blah, blah, blah. We've got the kids, and you don't you think we'll lose? We probably won't. And we've got Graham Shears. We've got the kids, and you don't you think we'll lose? We probably won't. And we've got Graham Shears. We've got McKenna, and you don't you think we'll lose? Maybe won't. And we've listening to the totally scottish football show a muddy knees media production for sales and advertising email sales at muddyneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on apple Podcasts, spotify audio boom and everywhere else you get your audio on demand we'll be right back.